The Capitol Hill police exist for a single reason, to protect the Capitol, which is the home of our legislature, which is the heart of our democracy, our elected members of Congress. But since January 6th, the Capitol Hill police force has been subverted by Nancy Pelosi, who oversees it, and Joe Biden, the new president, to become a kind of secret police force that acts on behalf of the Democratic Party. Think we're overstating that? We're not. Members of the Capitol Hill police have been surveilling elected members of Congress, their staff, and visitors to their offices. Republican Congressman Troy Nails of Texas said that Capitol Hill police officers entered his congressional office last year without his knowledge and then photographed confidential materials within the office. Now, if you haven't worked on Capitol Hill or around it, it's hard to overstate how completely out of bounds that is. In any other administration, under any other speaker, that would be considered a complete outrage. Now, it's just par for the course. Plainclothes Capitol Police officers from the department's, quote, intelligence division subsequently questioned one of the congressman's aides about what was on a whiteboard within his office. On Twitter, the congressman wrote, quote, so why is the Capitol Police leadership maliciously investigating me in an attempt to destroy me and my character? Congressman Troy Nails joins us now. Congressman, thanks so much for coming on. It's hard to overstate how shocking this story is. These are the people who are paid to protect you and they're spying on you, an elected member of Congress, speaking of an attack on our democracy. Tell us why you think this happened. Why were they in your office? Well, I think, it's, well, first of all, thank you for having me. And I think it's yes. very clear. You know, uh, Leader McCarthy selected me to be one of the five to be on the select committee looking into January 6th. And I've been a very vocal critic of January 6th, specifically the Capitol Police, the, the leadership of the Capitol Police, the intelligence section, and been very vocal about it. I mean, all the intelligence was there. It was glaring to them, and it was in their face that, that we knew the Capitol was the target for January 6th. We knew that, uh, that there were maps uh, that were scattered throughout the whole city about the tunnels on January 6th. So all the intelligence was there. They knew the extremist groups were going to be there and they did nothing with it. So right. I've exposed this and I've been very vocal about it. I've been vocal too, even on your program a few months back about uh, the death of Ashley Babbitt and questioning why Lieutenant Byrd's investigation did not go to a grand jury. So this really doesn't surprise me, quite honestly. I'm being targeted right now. And, and I believe that, that Nancy Pelosi is weaponizing the U.S. Capitol Police to investigate me, to try to silence me, intimidate me, and quite honestly, to destroy me. This is totally third world and crazy, and it's hard to believe it's happening in the capital city. By the way, I should note, their claim is they were trying to protect you, but of course they never told you about it. If there was a threat, they should of course alert you. You're the member of Congress. Why don't you shut these people down? How can you have Nancy Pelosi's secret police force in your office and no one shuts them down. Well, the claim is that they discovered one of my uh, office doors wide open on a, a Saturday afternoon. The yeah, officer right. entered my office and said, you know, to check to see if anybody was there that shouldn't be there and saw suspicious writings on my whiteboard, whereas where I draft my legislative proposals. A couple days later, I've got these secret agents, secret agents from the Capitol Police knocking on my office door, questioning my staff 
one of my staffers, as to the language on that board. Why was there body armor written on your board? Interrogating this, this staffer, asking him uh, questions related to a handwritten map of the Rayburn office building, which is an office building for, con for members of Congress, and the X on it. I mean, absolutely silly, absolutely ludicrous. Why were the Capitol Police inside my office investigating me? And I was under criminal investigation. The chief of police, Manger, is, he's downplaying this, but I'm telling you, they're coming after anyone that has a dissenting point of view, anybody that doesn't agree with them. It happened to me, sir, I believe the NSA, it happened to you looking at your emails, text messages. Obama used the FBI to go after Donald Trump, Russia collusion, and we know how that turned out. So they're weaponizing these federal law enforcement agencies and, and intelligence agencies. We, we can't, it's making my heart beat faster. We can't put up, this is the red line that you can't tolerate in a free society. You cannot use federal law enforcement agencies to go after your political enemies, period. That's what they do in Africa. We cannot allow that here, obviously. I hope you, I hope you get every one of these Cretans fired. I mean it, too. Well, the, Congressman, the, 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 the Office of Inspector General was in my office last week. He has agreed to, to do a study and an investigation, an independent investigation, and I feel good about that. We're going to get to well, the bottom of it. I hope you will. I hope you will. Thank you for joining us tonight. Capitol Police are now under investigation by the Outfits Inspector General for allegedly spying on sitting members of Congress. Now, this is in response to a stunning Politico piece last month about how the Capitol Police quietly started scrutinizing the backgrounds of people who meet with lawmakers after January 6th. But it gets worse. Consider the experience of Congressman Troy Nels of Texas. According to him, a Capitol Police officer entered his office on Saturday, November 21st of last year and snapped a photo of a whiteboard that had suspicious writings on it. Of course, these were ideas for legislation, but that doesn't matter. The Capitol Police followed up by sending three plainclothes intel officers to grill Nell's staff. Joining me now is Julie Kelly, senior editor at American Greatness and author of January 6th, How Democrats Used the Capitol Protest to Launch a War of Terror Against the Political Right. Julie, how is this all now just getting the attention it deserves? Well, I think because Republicans have intentionally ignored the role of the Capitol Police, not just in what happened on January 6th, but ever since. I mean, look, this intelligence unit was headed up by now by an Obama official who was hired right before Election Day. She has expanded this intelligence unit. Who knew Capitol Police were allowed to even have an intelligence unit? Uh, composing these dossiers, not just on lawmakers and staffers, but also their donors and even their constituents. So, Laura, you know how this goes. They're going to collect all this information. They're going to leak it to the press. The press is going to anonymously source it to intelligence officials. And this is all part of an ongoing smear campaign. But the Capitol Police are part and parcel to this. They are also an unaccountable federal law enforcement agency. They're not subject to FOIA, any FOIA requests. They're helping to conceal 14,000 hours of surveillance video, all of their documents, 
and communications correspondence related to January 6th. And so what is the Capitol Police hiding while at the same time they're snooping around uh, Capitol Hill trying to collect what they mm. think is going to be damaging information against Republicans? Yeah, Congressman Nell's uh, Julie was on with Tucker earlier tonight. Watch. They knew the extremist groups were going to be there and they did nothing with it. So I've exposed this. I'm being targeted right now. And, and I believe that, that Nancy Pelosi is weaponizing the U.S. Capitol Police to investigate me, to try to silence me, intimidate me, and quite honestly, to destroy me. Julie, you and I talked about this on my podcast earlier today, but do you agree with that assessment, that it's Pelosi Absolutely. who's targeting him? Absolutely. And uh, she has been using the Capitol Police. She used them on January 6th. In some instances, they were attacking protesters. In other instances, they were letting hundreds of them into the building. Uh, Congress doled over uh, $2 billion to them in emergency supplemental funds that now, I guess, they're using to expand this intelligence unit. Um, but look, this is part of the Capitol Police, the J6 Committee, the Justice Department, as I write about in my book, all working collaboratively together to use this four-hour disturbance on Capitol Hill as a pretext to unleash this war on terror against Americans on the political right. And this goes from everyone, from Donald Trump to congressmen and down to regular Americans who walked into the building Julie, for 10 before, or 15 minutes. Sorry to interrupt, but before I let you go, really quickly, how many people from your reporting are still being kept, if any, in solitary confinement of the suspects. Do you know? So there are about a little more than three dozen at what I call the D.C. Gulag. They now have been locked down 22 hours a day in their cells as they were initially. And um, we do have political prisoners in the nation's capital. That's not an exaggeration. Julie, uh, we appreciate your reporting on this. Thank you. They're making lists. That's the focus of tonight's angle. We don't trust the Biden administration to protect our civil liberties, period. They abuse their power on COVID. They abuse their power in the way they handled the January 6th situation. And they trash our country's history every chance they get. After 13 months of President Biden, Americans have every reason to be suspicious of anything they do that involves collecting information about Americans. I'm talking about lists, databases, or surveillance of anything, including your health records or social media history. Let's face it, they treat half of the country as if they're the mortal enemy, a threat to be controlled, not a constituency to be served. Now, when the school CRT and sexual assault issues bubbled up in the U.S., Democrats finally found themselves on the defensive. And then Biden's Attorney General Merrick Garland, he swooped in to flex the power of the federal law enforcement. His words at the time were meant to intimidate and scare parents. If you're upset and angry at the direction your school board is taking and you show up and you speak your mind, as is your constitutional right, by the way, now you have to be worried about being caught up in some bogus domestic terror dragnet. And rather than treat January 6th as a protest that got way out of hand with some criminal elements, no doubt, the Biden administration and their media cronies insisted on claiming that it was an insurrection and treating everyone who supported President Trump as a traitor. Not even during the Civil War. 
Did insurrectionists breach the capital of the United States of America? Dates that occupy not only a place on our calendars, but a place in our collective memory. December 7th, 1941. September 11th, 2001. And January 6th, 2021. It borders on sedition. Here's how the Biden team looks at the world. They believe that most people who support the GOP are dangerous. They're dangerous elements that need to be policed and watched. Now, enter the extremism review that Generals Austin and Milley undertook of the armed forces after January 6th. So rather than focusing sharply on real problems, they use vague language to essentially smear huge swaths of the American public and the military. Now, in a sense, they hung out a conservatives need not apply sign at the Pentagon. Now, who knows what files are amassing on soldiers, airmen and Marines who they deem to be potential problems. Now, maybe they posted pro-Trump stuff or photos from Trump rallies on social media. Who knows? But which group has been subject, you think, to more scrutiny under Austin? Our own troops or the nearly 85,000 Afghan refugees they airlifted to the United States? Well, I think we know the answer to that question. And presidential wannabe Pete Buttigieg, he feels where the winds are blowing in his party and he wants to get in on the action. As transportation secretary, he's planning to blanket America's roads with more surveillance cameras, billions and billions of dollars worth. Supposedly, it's all to cut down on traffic deaths. You know, he is a humanitarian. But of course, what they really want is fewer cars and fewer car owners. They want to make it so expensive, so cumbersome to drive and own a vehicle that only the truly responsible elites can do so. Now, and it gets worse and worse, which brings us to the huge story we brought you last night, courtesy of our friends at the Washington Free Beacon and Republican congressmen, that the U.S. government is storing just under one billion gun purchase files and digitizing them, presumably for searchability down the road. Now, Biden's ATF, in a letter to our next guest, insists that such record-keeping was approved by Congress, including the process of digitization. During 2021, they collected data on 54 million gun owners. But they waved away any concern of nefarious intent, writing, the sole purpose of these systems is to trace firearms used in crimes, which is a valuable gun intelligence tool used in thousands of investigations by ATF and our local, state, and federal law enforcement partners. In other words, because of all the good faith they've shown their fellow Americans, we're just supposed to take them at their word. This is all for benign purposes. This massive log of gun purchases, it's not a significant leap toward the ultimate goal of a national gun registry. Sorry, but they do not deserve the benefit of the doubt. Of course, we know that all the people with the power in the Democrat Party hate guns and would love nothing more to confiscate as many as possible under whatever pretext the Supreme Court would allow them to do so. Don't take my word for it. Take theirs. The Second Amendment from the day it was passed limited the type of people who could own a gun and what type of weapon you could own. Where there is room under the law for the president's uh, policies to be pursued, then I, I think the president is entitled to pursue them. Gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means they're going to come for my guns. Bingo. You're right if you have an assault weapon. 
Now, academics also have been working on many different legal theories to effectively ban guns in the United States. They invoke the fight against skyrocketing gun violence as if crimes are committed by the guns themselves and not the revolving door of criminals that rampage through America courtesy of left-wing DAs. Now, Democrat mayors, they don't give a rip about crime. If they did, they wouldn't be empowering the BLM crowd at the expense of the public safety. Your Second Amendment rights, I hate to break it to you, mean nothing to them. They stop church attendance protected by the First Amendment over a pandemic. You don't think they'd try to stop gun ownership protected by the Second Amendment over an epidemic of violence? Gun violence in this country is an epidemic. It's an epidemic, for God's sake. And it has to stop. Biden himself and his supporters in the media frequently bemoan the growing lack of public trust in government. It's growing across party lines. But the Biden administration, they don't have anyone to blame except themselves. Because along the way, as I've demonstrated tonight, they've shown so much bad faith in so many different contexts, from our intel agencies to the public health sector to law enforcement, and even the previously in innocuous Department of Transportation. And now they've gone so far as to cast traditionally-minded Americans as public enemy number one. Republicans in Congress, especially when they take back power, they need to exercise strict oversight over every aspect of this Biden team. And they need to prohibit and defund every action and every policy that undermines our basic constitutional rights. There are a lot of such actions and policies. And that's the angle. Right now, the, you know, the 10 meter threat is China. China is influencing Russia. It's influencing North Korea. It's influencing Iran, uh, terrorism. Uh, there's a very strong argument by Teng Biao and uh, Terry Marsh, uh, who've written that according to US law, if you really apply US law in a rigorous way, the CCP is a terrorist organization. We have to recognize that. We have to see the CCP for what it is um, to really understand that we can't allow our corporations to just do business with the CCP willy-nilly because that will turn them into terrorist organizations. I mean, we, I mean it sounds, you know, extreme, but the reality is that you, you, we have a organization that is like, that is truly like a mafia organization or a terrorist organization, and they're involved in the UN. They're paying off presidents around the world. Um, you know, they're influencing people at very, very high levels. Hunter Biden got a three-carat diamond, you know, from people linked to this. We have to realize there is a problem here and we need to take action to exclude terrorists, to exclude mafia people, to exclude the CCP from our highest decision makers. And we have not done that as a nation and definitely in other countries. It's, they're even worse off. 
So you know, to the to the viewers um, right now, because I know I know our my viewers somewhat, and and frankly and frankly myself, I'm thinking, who who is going to do this, right? Because a lot of the people who you might expect normally would, are, kind of playing playing ball, right? Or at least to some extent, right? I don't think you know I. I it, it, People have multiple motivations, but the, as you've been outlining, the CCP has created a lot of leverage over all sorts of people in all sorts of a myriad of ways. It's been its project for decades, right? So I agree with your, I think you make a compelling argument, but who's actually going to do this? The citizens. I mean, citizens have to demand that uh, corruption in Washington, D.C., in Brussels, in London, and sometimes it's legalized corruption. Uh, that, that influence, those, those avenues of influence, uh, must be shut off. We cannot allow uh, the children of our presidents to go do business in China and get three-carat diamonds from CCP-linked individuals. Uh, John Kerry's son was in business with Hunter Biden related to China. It creates a massive conflict of interest that we just can't allow. As citizens, we, can't, we cannot delegate leadership to people who have a conflict of interest on the China issue. Yeah, but, and, but that leaves almost no one at this point. We need new laws. We need stronger laws. We need to enforce existing laws. Some, some laws aren't even enforced for years. Uh, the Foreign Agent Registration Act was not enforced. They had no investigators to actually really, you know, to find out who was actually breaking the law. It's full of loopholes. It needs to be revised and, and revoted and strengthened. But that won't happen until regular American citizens get out onto the streets and start protesting against corruption that is happen happening at every, you know, whether it's academia, our politics, our economics, right? People are being compromised. The Harvard chemist. You know, as we speak, I believe, you know, the trial has just begun or should have begun um, of Charles Lieber. I mean, one of the world's leading experts in nanotechnology. Basically, the indictment says that he um, was taking something like $50,000 a month from the Chinese Communist Party, had an off-the-books lab that was created uh, in, in China that he, that he oversaw. Um, and yeah, he's being tried for not disclosing these things, right? And you know, the, there's even some people today, and I was, I was reading an article about this just before we sat down, uh, that are wondering whether that there was actually problematic is, is, is that really a problem? Why not, why not uh, you know, have these good cooperative relationships? I mean, this is, this is what someone was writing in a, in a respectable public, ostensibly respectable publication, right? So I agree with many of the things you're saying. It just, it, 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 it makes one, it doesn't make one filled with confidence and hope necessarily that this is actually going to be resolved. Yeah, it is, it, there is a pessimistic uh, tinge to the book, um, but the, the last chapter talks about uh, protecting our diversity, protecting the disaggregation of power. I mean, actually capitalism is part of that. 
It's, uh, you know, we have many people who have their own property. Um, those are that, you know, when people own a company or they own a home, they have an independence from the massive hierarchies in society that you would never get in China. Um, and so this, these small forms of independence that we have are critically important uh, to the maintenance of freedom, uh, to the maintenance of religious freedom, of, to the freedom of property, um, to the Second Amendment. All of these things are disaggregations of power that are being chipped away over time um, and will, be, will continue to be chipped away if we don't take a more serious approach to this. And we have to hold, we have to hold our leaders accountable. Part of the problem, too, is partisanship. We, we tend to stick to one party. Uh, you know, we think that that party, we start to think that party is going to be perfect. And we start to think that, um, and we start to not be critical of that party um, when it also, in certain ways, is compromised. All of our political parties are beholden to billionaires, large corporations. They're doing business in China. And all of those corporations and billionaires are putting pressure on our elected leaders of both parties to go easy on China's human rights abuse, to go easy when China claims to own the whole South China Sea, when China, you know, says openly they're planning to invade Taiwan. It's really kind of interesting that you say this because, you know, looking at what's happened in most liberal democracies, not all, there's some really stark exceptions, is a massive aggregation of power as a result of COVID policy or CCP virus policy, actually, as we call it at the Epoch Times. I mean, that, I, that's unmistakable, unquestionable. To me, as I was reading, I was thinking, man, that ratchet really, really got a big swing up, you know, during this time. You know, we're talking about the small businesses decimated, right? Um, all, yeah, at, at, at many, many levels. There's a, so, so what is your, what are, what are your thoughts about this? I mean, that's, I think most, you know, I think Sweden would be an exception. There's some U.S. states that are an exception. But I don't know of too many other places that are, frankly, an exception to this. Yeah, we, we got locked down. We accepted it. You know, it's definitely part of this aggregation of power by the state. In, in the past, we've had pandemics, and you did not have this level of individual control by the state. This is new. Is this another way that the CCP has influenced us? Well, the virus certainly started in China and uh, the CCP was pushing very, very draconian lockdown measures as the proper response. And I, I don't, I think actually the most draconian measures are there in China. Bird murder, a propaganda village, and nature itself is communist? that and more insane communist policies.
Welcome to America Uncovered. I'm Chris Chappell. Over the past few weeks, I've covered stories on critical race theory as well as the 1619 Project. Both of these controversial theories are being taught in American schools, and both are rooted in Marxism. But what's wrong with Marxism? Just look at Marx. Isn't he adorable? He looks like what would happen if Santa Claus was the most interesting man in the world. The issue isn't with Marx himself, but with his ideas, specifically what they've led to. Removing class structures and having everyone in society work for the common good sounds like it would lead to a civilization that looks like this. But in reality, those civilizations always wind up looking more like this. Don't you hate it when the food doesn't look anything like the picture on the menu? It leads to a lot of disappointment in the breadline. Marxism may sound great to some people in theory, but it's horrible in execution. Kind of like cowboys and aliens you have Indiana Jones and James Bond in a movie where the title is the entire plot. How did you mess it up that badly? Today I'm going to cover five of the most insane communist policies in history to illustrate just how badly Marxism can go. Number five. As part of China's Great Leap Forward program under Mao Zedong, which reconstructed China from an agrarian society into a communist one, one of the first actions taken was the Four Pests Campaign in 1958. The Four Pests Campaign aimed to reduce disease by exterminating mosquitoes, rodents, flies, and sparrows. It even encouraged citizens to kill all sparrows they could find, labeling the bird as public animals of capitalism. Wait, they thought the sparrow was an animal of capitalism? When I think of capitalist birds, I think of the bald eagle, the American pelican, or Sonny the Cocoa Puffs bird. He's cuckoo for capitalism. But sure, murdering sparrows. What could go wrong with killing every single sparrow in China? Well, it turns out sparrows are a natural predator to locusts. Without any sparrows around, the locust population exploded, leading to the destruction of countless crops. That was one of the reasons for the Great Famine, where 30 to 40 million people starved to death. We don't know the exact figures because the numbers of death were largely covered up thanks to policies that made communist officials at each level afraid to tell their next higher up how bad things really were. So the next time a fast food worker messes up your order, you can cheer yourself up by remembering that instead of leading to tens of millions of deaths, his incompetence only resulted in you getting no pickles on your burger when you clearly said extra pickles. But if you think that cover-up was a ridiculous length to go to in order to help a communist leader save face, that's nothing compared to our next example, which I'll get to after the break. Welcome back. It's no secret that propaganda is taught in schools. That's not just a communist problem. We here in the U.S. were all taught myths to make our founding fathers seem larger than life, such as the story of how George Washington chopped down a cherry tree and how Abraham Lincoln was a vampire hunter. But this next communist policy brings propaganda about national leaders to a whole new, absurd level. Number four. Kijongdong is a village in North Korea, referred to as Peace Village in North Korea, and Propaganda Village in South Korea and everywhere else. North Korea claims the village has a collective farm that is maintained by 200 families. But South Korea claims it is empty and used primarily for propaganda. 
What makes South Korea think this? Well, their first clue may have been the fact that they can see across the border that no one is living there. Oh, and there's also the loudspeakers blasting propaganda and encouraging disgruntled soldiers and farmers to defect to North Korea. That kind of tipped them off. An example of the propaganda shared in North Korea is the cult of personality surrounding the Kim family, whose citizens are taught to believe are literal gods on earth. The North Korean government claims there is no cult of personality, and it's genuine affection from the population. Yes, everyone was truly sad when Kim Jong-il died. And you know those people are genuine because everyone who didn't pay their respects genuinely was dragged away, tortured, or executed. The best relationships are always the one forged out of terror. An example of propaganda taught about the Kim family in North Korean schools is that Kim Jong-il once played a round of golf where he sank 18 holes in one in a row. No wonder U.S. presidents are always playing so much golf. They're trying to catch up to the greatest man who ever swung a club. And if that sounds unbelievable, there's also the much more plausible history lesson that Kim Jong-il was born atop a mountain, his birth was heralded by a swallow, caused winter to spontaneously change to spring, a star to illuminate the sky, and a double rainbow appeared. Yes, this is actually the story North Koreans are taught, and not just someone describing the cover to every Pink Floyd album. If you think Kim was full of it, you'd be wrong, because citizens were also taught that he never defecated. You can say that Donald Trump had a cult of personality all you want, but at least no one was forced to like him under duress. Also, none of his followers believe he doesn't defecate, because we've all seen his golden toilet. Also, Trump wanted his voters to follow him on the internet, which is something that can't be said for this next insane communist policy. Number three, in Cuba, Citizens weren't allowed to access the internet in their homes until July 2019. While not being able to access the internet is a major suppression of information, after reading several fan fictions on the web, I'm actually jealous. I'll never be able to unsee that. And now? You won't either. But hey, who needs the internet when you have television? In Cuba, you can channel surf for hours flipping between their five channels, all under the control of the Cuban Institute of Radio and Television. Imagine if Donald Trump created a department that was in charge of deciding what people could and couldn't watch. The only thing airing on TV would be The Apprentice, Home Alone 2, and Beetlejuice, but only that part where Alec Baldwin drives off a bridge. But that's not even the crazy policy. State-run media and a lack of internet isn't that insane when it comes to communism. The most insane communist policy in Cuba is that their constitution actually recognizes the right to demonstrate, only under certain regulations. The penal code in its Article 209 states, he who participates in meetings or demonstrations celebrated without respecting the dispositions that regulate this right is committing a felony against public order. So you have the right to demonstrate, but only for the things they tell you to demonstrate for. But don't worry, if you don't like what those in charge are telling you to do, you can just create your own political party and run in a public election. The Cuban Constitution guarantees that right as well. But every party that isn't the Communist Party is forbidden. 
Forget their cigars. The most difficult product to get your hands on are Cuban carrots, since they always keep them dangling just out of their citizens' reach. Cuba says it cares about the right to express oneself, and punishes and suppresses anyone who disagrees with or questions their ideology. Who do they think they are? YouTube? But these policies are nothing compared to the final two, which I'll get to after this final break. Welcome back. This next insane communist policy is the reason why a lot of older, former citizens of the USSR probably had severe PTSD this past year, whenever they heard Americans say, let's all listen to the science. Number two. The Sienkoism was a political campaign in the USSR led by scientist Trofim Lysenko, starting in the 1930s. And as we all know, mixing science with politics is always a great idea. Lysenko rejected natural selection, and instead favored Lamarckism, a theory of inherited characteristics of organisms that was discredited by geneticists in the early 20th century. Lysenkoism is the policy that favors Lamarckism. So why was Soviet leader Joseph Stalin so happy to institute Lysenkoism? Because Lysenko believed that his theory proved everything in nature worked together to help grow. And thus, nature itself was communist. And you can't argue with science. Just look at these cute critters sharing the wealth for the common good. Way to go, comrades. Don't worry about the fur on those hats. It belonged to capitalist guinea pigs. As for geneticists in the USSR that opposed this discredited science with science, well, they were executed or sent to labor camps. More than 3,000 scientists were imprisoned or executed for following the right science wrongly, when they should have followed the wrong science rightly. And who says communism doesn't make sense? In 1948, Genetics was declared a bourgeois pseudoscience. Until Stalin's death in 1953, any research that disproved Lysenkoism was destroyed, because anything that says these bunnies aren't communist has to be wrong. Just look at them, seizing the greens of production. Lamarckism is now seen as a pseudoscience, unlike real fields of study such as biology, chemistry, and astrology. What, you don't agree? Just like Lysenko, typical Libras. And as you may have predicted, following this communist science led to decreased crop yields in the USSR. Of course, if you predicted that at the time in the USSR and said so out loud, you would have been executed. Speaking of being executed over fields, it's time for the darkest transition in the history of this channel. Number one, the killing fields in Cambodia. These were a number of sites where over a million, and possibly as many as three million people, were executed and buried in mass graves from 1975 to 1979 by the Khmer Rouge under the command of Pol Pot. Pol Pot called for an egalitarian society where everyone was equal and had equal rights. He abolished money, had everyone wear the same black clothing, and relocated the urban population to work on collective farms. You know, a true Marxist society. Unfortunately, to achieve this goal, Pol Pot executed anyone that had connections to the outside world, or to the previous regime he toppled. Pol Pot also made intellectuals who didn't abide by his vision of society get re-educated, which is a cute way of saying tortured. 
you know, a true Marxist society. And he knew how to find those intellectuals. It was anyone who wore glasses. But strangely, after intellectuals and people with corrected eyesight were murdered, malnutrition and poor medical care ran rampant. This, coupled with direct killing, led to the death of one quarter of the Cambodian population. To put that in perspective, that makes Pol Pot half a Thanos. Pol Pot was considered controversial among Marxists of his time. The Soviet Union disapproved of his methods and refused to recognize his new government. Meanwhile, Mao Zedong approved of his Khmer Rouge regime, and 90% of their funding came from China, even though many of the people Pol Pot killed were ethnic Chinese. But maybe Mao Zedong felt Pol Pot was just helping him out, because nothing screams utopia like making people scream. Those, of course, are only a few insane communist policies. There are plenty more I didn't cover, like the Soviet Union's Cannibal Island. That was a real thing. Now, I know a lot of us here in America complain about the two-party political system. Yes, it can be really, really bad. But it's a lot better than the one-party system you get in communist regimes. Marxists often start with great promises like overthrowing oppressors and giving power to the people. But it often ends up with those people killing the people who gave them power. You know what they say about absolute power. Absolute power, absolutely, leads to millions of deaths, historically. I know some people say, yeah, but Marxism has just never been done right. We should try it again, and this time it will be different. To me, that just sounds like we'd be looking at another remake of Cowboys and Aliens. So what do you think about these insane communist policies? Leave your comments below. And remember, America Uncovered is supported mainly by viewers. Be sure to visit patreon.com slash americauncovered. Contribute a dollar or more per episode. We rely on your support to help us keep making great episodes. Once again, I'm Chris Chappell. Thanks for watching America Uncovered. The founder of Bridgewater, uh, Ray Dalio, it's a big hedge fund. He came out uh, last week and said, the U.S. appears to be, I'm quoting, on a classic path towards some form of civil war amid the dangerous combination of large deficits, high taxes, inflation, and gaps in wealth and values that lead to political polarization. When that happens, at the same time as there are foreign powers that are becoming strong enough to challenge the leading world power that it is encountering, this civil war dynamic, it is especially a risky period. That period, I believe, we are now in, end quote. Gosh, you know, it sounds like, it sounds almost like uh, we'll be at each other's throats and the socialists uh, and the communists and uh, the Islamists We'll all be in league. By the way, speaking of Islamists, I think another hats off to Joe Biden, who uh, released another $25 billion to the Iranians uh, over the weekend. I think that's great. He just unfroze $25 billion. Because we were Iranians. saying, I, we thought $30 billion was too much. Too much. And too $25 much. Billion too right, much. is right, right in the sweet in the, spot. It is. You know? It is. Because uh, I thought $20 billion was too little. Is, yeah, right. And exactly. 30 too much. So... 
He like when found, he nails it, we got to give him credit. Twenty-five billion was the right number to give to Iran. Yeah, it was. <clears throat> Over the weekend, you're not going to find that anywhere. Isn't that weird? Mm. You're not seeing that on the front page anywhere. <clears throat> anyway, um, uh, and then uh, that guy, whoever he was, thank God they discredited him a long time ago. Uh, said that uh, that'll be creating turmoil here in the United States. Uh, and uh, then, then what happens? Oh, foreign powers. All of our enemies look at our weakness and say, now, go, 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 go. It's almost like Ray Dalio is saying that. Ha. So here's the thing. He's right. He follows it up. The biggest question is how much the system will bend before it breaks. History shows the biggest risk to democracies is that they produce such fragmented and antagonistic decision-making that they are ineffective and disorderly, which leads to bad results in revolutions. No, Ray, that's world history. That is the history of democracies. We're a republic. What has led to antagonistic decision-making and fragmentation? I'll tell you what it is. And you know who also will tell you who it is? John Adams and Thomas Jefferson around 1820 writing back and forth to each other saying, well, we tried. You know it's going to fail. The other one said, yeah, but that's, it's, it's inevitable. Yes, it's going to fail. But in the end, the people will see what we were trying to do. I know, but we should have put more Deuteronomy into it. What did he mean by that? He was talking about stakes. What is the problem? Why do we have all of these crazy people in Washington, D.C.? Let me rephrase the question. Stu, they're redistricting right now. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and when they redistrict, do they do it like in Deuteronomy where Moses just said there's a block of, you know, (laughs) 500 people. And then when that block goes over 500, then we just split it. No, they do no. not do that. No, in squares. So everything's a giant square. No, how do they do redistricting? A, uh, it's called something. Uh, Jerry Lewis. No, uh, oh gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know how your district snakes through. It's because the parties are like, I need it to snake through this way because then I can lean it Democrat or Republican. Stop it, because that's what gets extremes. We all live next door to somebody that disagrees with us. We might live with a whole group of people that I don't know where this is, but on one side of the street, they're all Democrats, and the other side of the street, they're all Republicans. And at the end of the street, because it's a cul-de-sac, it's all independents. And so one party or the other says, I'm going to just take this part of the street, and you're going to have that part of the street. No! We get extremes because of that. Ay, 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 ay. That's not democracy. That's gerrymandering. That's hijacking a republic, Ray. That's what it is. He also said there's a loss of truth in the public domain. No. No, a loss of... And that's making some people too afraid to speak up. No! No, I've not heard that. Now, gee, who's doing that? Who's doing that? Because I remember when Tipper Gore was coming out, you know, about rap songs that she thought were too spicy. 
um, you know, that was a Democrat, but was trying to appeal to the religious, you know, movement at the time. And that was saying, you know, we got to take all this crap off the streets. No, just tell your kids not to listen to it. How about we spend more time with our kids? How about that? Uh, We don't silence people. So it was a religious side that was doing it back then. Which side is it now? Uh, Do I can't? I mean, because I know there was a big outcry of people who were like trying to silence, you know, rappers and stuff because they were saying bad sexual things. That's not happening anymore. Oh, it's just political things that have to be. Oh, and that's the left this time. Mm. Isn't that weird? Wrong then from the right. Wrong now from the left. Was was Tipper Gore the right? No, Tipper Gore was. (laughs) Okay, I just want to make sure I understand. The Gores don't believe anything. Mm. They don't believe anything. That that was just purely a political move. Period. So we're headed for civil war, unless there's a great awakening. And I don't mean a great awakening. Don't be woke. Be awake. Stay awake. Stay awake. And what that means is, you see the direction everybody's headed? There's a cliff. Hear the people? Listen. Listen carefully. It's a little like the coyote and, uh, and the roadrunner. You know, you're just, you're just seeing a whole bunch, thousands of little poof, 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 as people make impact on the bottom of the cliff. Don't go over the cliff. What does that mean? Don't say the things that you don't mean. Don't tolerate the things that you know are wrong. Just get up and leave. You know what? I, nothing against anybody here, but you guys are talking a bunch of gobbledygook and it's not, it's not true. None of this is true. How dare you say a man can't have a baby? Hmm? I suppose you could implant it and then, I don't know, take it out and say he had a baby, but that's not having a baby, man. Okay? How dare you say that? Yeah, yeah. I think we have to agree on some basic level of truth because this ain't working. Part of some of your old advice uh, was ringing through my head this weekend when I was looking at some of the stories about the Canadian truckers, and and there's been this attack from the media. Oh, there we saw one Nazi flag at one rally, and you know, there's the, that's sort of the typical way they go. What they're saying now, and I, I obviously am not up in Canada. I haven't seen this for myself, but the media is reporting that the truckers now are doing things like you know, blocking streets and um, uh, beeping their horns in the overnights in neighborhoods to wake people up and, and if, tactics. If, yeah. if that's true, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't believe that's true. Right. Because it, you don't want to lose the people. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. This yes. has always been something we've talked about this with left wing groups over and over again. They'll, they'll block traffic. They'll make your life miserable. There was a, I remember Pat always talks about this protest in Houston when he was down there where the people, the trash collectors unions jumped, dumped a bunch of trash in the middle of busy intersections yeah. to show how important they were and just pissed everybody off. Yeah. Right. Like ruining people's lives usually doesn't bring them to your side. Well, no, but see, that's the tactic of the left now. Mm. Bringing them, they used to, because of Martin Luther King, they used to bring people along. Okay, yeah, I believe in that. But now what they're asking for is against human nature. It's against human nature. 
Mm-hmm. So um, now you just have to do it by force. First, it's nudge, way past that. Then it's shove. We're at the end of that. And the next one is shoot. You're going to do it or else. And I would say that they're kind of doing that, except it's with firings now. You're just out. You're going to lose your job. The next, the next level is I'm going to physically take a gun and shoot you. Or okay. put you in prison. Or- yeah, put you in prison. I mean, put you in prison or a little camp. And what happens in camps? Usually you're not making bracelets. That's where we are, gang. You know, I, you know what rang through my head was the first they came. Who was it? It wasn't the first they came for the Jews. No, no, no. First they came for the communists. Because remember, they're fascists. First, they came for the communists. And I didn't say anything because I wasn't a communist. I I want you to know, it started with politics. First, they came for the conservatives. And I wasn't a conservative, so I didn't say anything. We are at the point with Joe Rogan. If they take Joe Rogan down, our voice will be silenced. It will will be silenced. Joe Rogan is a message. It's not just about taking out Joe Rogan. It is a message to anyone who carries shows like ours on any platform. You'll be gone. By the way, you should know glennbeck.com, theblaze.com, and blazetv.com. Those are your URLs. You can get our shows from those URLs every single day. Right now, you're getting it from Apple or wherever you get your podcast. There's going to come a time where you don't have that luxury anymore. You will have to... I saw somebody, yeah, and they're going to track who's doing it. They already are. In their own words, you're the infected We are the carrier of the disease. This is how they explain it. We are the carrier of the disease, a thought that they don't like. We've infected you. So we're not only being monitored by big tech, but you are being monitored and you can't hide it. You're being monitored. And those that follow you or your friends are also being monitored to see how far the inspection of the uh, the infection spreads. If you think that's hyperbole, look the quote up. That's from big tech. That's how they view you. This is the critical moment. And I will tell you that the left wants violence. I can guarantee you, if the Republicans sweep and they take control of the House and the Senate, there will be violence on the streets. There will be the media saying this was a stolen election. They'll find it all credible this time. There will be people whipping people up. God forbid the Democrats and I mean Democrats, not left, that the Democrats are awake enough to go, that ain't us. That's this small little group doing this. But they want violence, make no mistake, because that's what they do. 
They want to shoot and stop shoving. They want to shoot. No violence. Love one another. Truckers, if that story is true, and I don't think it is, if that story is true, no horn honking at night. Don't do it. Don't do it. You need people on your side. If you enjoyed this video, hit like and subscribe to our channel so you'll be sure to see similar videos from Blaze TV with the added bonus of signaling YouTube that your voice and opinion still matters. And if you're looking for more great conservative content, check out one of the two videos suggested here.